This is IA Forward, your playbook for success as an independent insurance agent. Here to help you knock it out of the ballpark are your hosts, Shane Tatum and Tanya Lead. Welcome to IA Forward. And in most places in the country, we would say happy Groundhog Day. But for those of us at Integra, we celebrate the holiday of our mascot, which is Hedgehog Day. So happy Hedgehog Day. Happy Hedgehog Day. You know, we had a hedgehog named Tegra. Of course we did. We did. I don't know where Tegra is right now, actually. I know where Tegra is. So Tegra went... To school, we, we got Te- Tegra originally for the, for the elementary school, right? Went to the science lab. I remember he went there. And then they were doing a clean out. Maybe it was post-COVID. Tegra came home to live with your sister and her children. And then another one of our team members randomly right. at the office one day said, does anybody have a male hedgehog that she was looking for one? So she went to live with Brandy. Tegra got married. How about that? We love hedgehogs. It's kind of our thing. And when I was looking at the calendar for the month and, and saw that, uh, that Groundhog Day had a sister holiday of of Hedgehog Day that I knew that we needed to talk about the hedgehog concept on today's podcast. It was kismet. I can talk about the hedgehog concept every day if you want to. I think it's really, really important for business owners. And this has nothing to do with Tegra and the furry little critters, right? This is something that's actually really important for our agencies. It really is. Anybody out there that has read Good to Great by Jim Collins, it's a little bit of an aged book, but it's still one of my favorites. And if you could see me, what you would see is me with my good Good to great book, which is starting to get weathered with all these little sticky note tabs, one of which goes to the chapter on hedgehog concept. And I think it is more important today than it was when this was written because our businesses are so easily scattered and so easily just knocked out of focus that I use the hedgehog concept to bring me back into focus constantly. So for our listeners who don't listen to Good to Great uh, as they're driving in the car or haven't read the book, tell us about what the hedgehog concept is. There are three circles to the hedgehog concept, which I'll touch on. And this entire idea comes from an essay written by Isaiah Berlin. And it's this idea of the hedgehog and the fox. The fox is very cunning. The fox does many, many, many things. Some things they even do well, but the hedgehog only really does one thing and it does this one thing extremely well. And that is it protects itself. So the cunning fox is going to go capture the hedgehog and comes up with all these scenarios. Think the road runner and Wiley Coyote, very similar kind of piece here. And every time the fox jumps out to catch the hedgehog, the hedgehog rolls his eyes and balls up into his defense mechanism. And the fox walks away dejected once again. The idea of the hedgehog concept is that you need to be able to do something in your business really, really well. And that's where these three circles come in. What are you deeply passionate about? That's one circle. What can you be the best in the world at? That's a second circle. And then what drives your economic engine? So to put that in layman's terms, do you have passion about something? What can you be good at? And what can you make money 
at, that you're good at, and that you have passion for. So those are the Shane translations of the hedgehog three circles. And I think these are really, really critical in our business. And I think it's really, really critical as agency owners that we understand a hedgehog concept and we understand the three circles of the concept. You've done this exercise with our leadership team on numerous occasions, and you've done it not only from our partner program perspective, but also from our retail agency side. And I remember the one time that we did this around retail is that the customer experience was where the three circles intersected. Yes. And we're really, really big on relationships and we're passionate about relationships. Relationships and the customer experience became something that we are very, very passionate about. When you think about it that way, it wasn't that it was about ringing a bell or sell, sell, sell or anything like that. It was about, are we deepening our relationships? Are we building relationships? And a lot of times that didn't necessarily lead to a sale. It inadvertently led to it. It means having walkaway power. It means being passionate about the customer enough to do what's best for the customer. Sometimes what's best for the customer is that you're not the person that writes their insurance. That's actually a possibility out there. We're going to post what these three circles look like on our social media. So be sure to check those out on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Speaking of turning business down, I was actually reading on one of the women in insurance groups that I participate in on social media yesterday, talking about an attorney that was trying to add a vehicle and she wanted minimal coverage and she didn't want this and she didn't want this and all of these things that she didn't want. And the agent was asking, what should I do? And it was really interesting. There were like 28 different versions of walk away. And some of them were saying, we don't ever take attorneys as clients in our office. Some of them were saying, this person's going to be the first person to sue you if something goes wrong. Another person was saying, okay, when you respond to this person, make sure that you use this verbiage. But it was so interesting to me that we had an agent, this was not an Integra group. This was in an all women's group. But I found it so interesting that every single person said walk away. And I think that's a different way of looking at our business than anyone probably would have said even five years ago. We think about this walk away thing as a really big struggle from a sales mindset. And really, I would kind of turn this around and say the way to get in control of this is to focus on what you want. Doesn't mean that you're not going to have someone pop up on your radar that you need to walk away from. I'm not an individual that says don't write any attorneys. A lot of attorneys out there are no different than a lot of really good insurance agents out there or CPAs out there. And they're professionals and they're very good at what they do. What you want to watch out for is the one that feels like they've been armed with some kind of authority because they're now an attorney and they're sue happy. But it has nothing to do with the fact that they're an attorney. It has to do with are you selecting your customers that fit you? You, that fit your culture, that allow you to be the best in the world at what you do. On the hedgehog piece there, one of the circles is something that you can be the best in the world at. I like to look at that through a different lens, which is more importantly, what can you not be the best in the world at? So let's go back to what are you passionate about? And 
last night I had the opportunity to work with a young lady who was getting ready for her first job interview. And she had sent her resume to let me look at it. And I really wanted to say there's no way you're going to ever get a job with this resume. I don't care how much money you spent on it, but I didn't say that. But the first question I asked her is, what are you passionate about? And she just got this blank look on her face and she said, well, no one's ever asked me that. And I said, well, you need to figure it out pretty quickly or you're going to be miserable for a very long time until you do figure it out. And I said, in looking at your resume, it doesn't look like you're passionate about anything. So there's nothing on here that's going to make you stand out. So I think it's really interesting that we're having this conversation today about the hedgehog concept because it's so true. If you are not passionate about something, it shows. And we're all passionate about things. Sometimes you just got to take the time to figure out what it is. I'm going to quote the book. Okay, folks, let's get passionate about what we do. That's wrong. That's what the book is pointing out in Good to Great. It's saying good to great companies did not say, okay, folks, let's get passionate about what we do. That's not what we're talking about. That's not how it works. Everyone, I hope, (laughs) is passionate about something. I hope that if you're an independent agency owner, you're a producer that wants to be an owner, that you know what your passion is. And I hope that if you don't know what your passion is, that you spend first and foremost some time finding your passion. My favorite day of the week is Monday. Thank goodness it's Monday, TGIM. At the core of that, I am really passionate about our business. I'm really passionate about what we do and helping producers start agencies, helping captive agents become independent agents, helping independent agency owners become better at running their business. I am so passionate about that. And it's easy for me to love what I do. There are lots of people in lots of careers out there who are no longer passionate about what they do, or they maybe got into the job or industry or career based on money or based on some other decision, and they're not passionate about it, and they're going to be miserable. I can pick on teachers, educators here. Teachers typically do not (laughs) become educators for the money. They become educators because they're passionate about teaching because they're passionate about students. And one of the things that I told my oldest daughter is if at some point you lose that passion, then stop, get out because the kid doesn't deserve an unpassionate teacher. And I think that's how we've ended up with so many teachers in the insurance industry. Yes. Teachers make great insurance industry people. We love teachers in the insurance industry. So figure out what we're passionate about. And then what is our next circle? Figure out what you're passionate about. Figure out what you can be the best in the world at, or more importantly, what you can't be good at. And this goes along with different segments. It's very, very hard to be a jack of all trades in the insurance business as an insurance agency. What can you be great at? If your agency's based in Kansas City, you're probably not going to be great at coastal exposure. There's things that are geographically determined. There's also things that you just don't have the knowledge or you don't even have the basis to find the knowledge to become educated on it that makes a situation where you can't be the best at it. And if you can't be the best at it, don't jump in. I remember when my mom graduated from law school. She had an incredible mentor that was a retired judge that came in and taught her how to be an attorney for the logging business. Now, this wasn't any industry that our family had any knowledge of. This wasn't anything that she would have even imagined that 
would have been a huge part of her practice. But she had someone come in and said, hey, this is something that's missing in our area. This is what I know. I'm going to train you to do this. And she embraced that. She said yes to the idea, even though it wasn't something that she knew. Was she initially passionate about logging law? No. But what she was passionate about was figuring out how to help people. And so when she had a fantastic mentor that trained her, she became passionate about being the best at this. And it was the foundation of her business. In East Texas, we are in logging country, sawmill country, and we have an agency here in East Texas that's a very successful third generation agency. And they developed risk programs and very specialized programs with some key carriers 40 years ago around logging contractors, log trucks, work comp for sawmills and sawmill operations. And they had a 25-year head start on our agency in general. And they had a 25, probably 30-year head start on me in terms of building a book of business in that class. When I look around, that risk is everywhere around me, up and down the roads. I see it every day. I had a choice to make. It's one of those situations of, okay, can I be the best at that? I'm looking at that agency across town and I'm going, why do I want to do that? On the flip side of that, we actually got a head start writing public school district, K through 12 public school districts. They didn't. As a matter of fact, we had an end to that. And we had some background of building a risk program around that type of class of business. And no one else in our marketplace had done that. They were being insured by associations out of Austin. And so there was no local representation. Those are the images that I would paint talking about this. And this is commercial lines, of course, in this sort of something to think about, was it really a good idea to go attack that 30-year experienced book of business? Or was it better for me to find my own path with this other thing that was available to me? We chose to not be in the logging business. We have friends that are loggers. Just because they're your friends doesn't mean that they need to become your clients. The flip side of that is just because someone else is doing it doesn't mean that you can't do it better. So if you look and you see there's a second and third generation out there doing something very specific, but you know that they're not taking care of their clients the way they should be, or you know that you can do something better, you know that you can be the best in the world at it or the best in your area at it. We're not trying to say, don't go after it. If you have a way to learn that business, if you have a way to float your business until you have time to learn something new, we're not saying not to take on something new. Because speaking with our commercial producer, Brian, he specifically went after business because he saw they weren't being taken care of. And he knew that he could be the best at it. What we're saying is don't bite off more than you can chew if you don't have time to learn what you need to know to be an expert. Especially if you have that third or fourth generation producer who really 
isn't passionate. They're just there because it was easy. That's a great opportunity to attack a weakness when in other agencies in that spot. Interestingly enough, uh, talking about Brian, he is a generalist, okay? He's got some classes of business that he writes a little more of than others. How can you be the best at something if you're a generalist? Well, the way that I feel like Brian is the best at what he does and the best in our area at what he does is because, yes, he's a generalist, but he's a consultative generalist. He truly goes in and truly understands the business that he's about to try to help. He becomes very consultative. He gets to know the owner. So relationship is his passion. Being a generalist around relationship is doable because you become a consultant. If you become a consultant, then things are a little bit different. And he's had a lot of success with that type of approach. There have been acquisitions in our area of agencies selling, and now they're owned by somebody out of Chicago or somebody out of state. They no longer write twenty and $30,000 premium accounts. And we have attacked that area through relationship. We have a $40,000 account from four years ago that just renewed at $130,000 in premium. And the reason that that happened and the reason that we kept that account is because there is a relationship and we are helping them through their growth. So helping the business customer become better at their business, it's huge. It's that relationship that he is passionate about that allows him to be a generalist and still be successful. In previous podcasts, I've talked about a sales manager that I had one time that I just didn't have the same philosophy that she did. To me, I learned a lot from her, but primarily I learned what not to do. And her theory of cold calling was to start at one end of a shopping center and go into every single business in the shopping center or start in one end of the street and you would go into every single business on one side of the street and then come back down on the other side. And I hated doing that because I didn't feel like I ever walked into a business to do a cold call prepared. And so I kind of figured out what worked better for me. And I'm going to date myself here, but I would open the yellow pages and I would find specific types of businesses. And I would say, okay, well, today I'm going to call on ladies boutiques. And I would figure out on my map where all the ladies boutiques were. And so I went in with a ladies boutique mindset that day. I was cold calling on the same number of clients, but my brain was more focused on when I walk in, these are the things that we talk about. And I know Brian says that too. He said, you know, so many agents will just start on one side of the street and they'll just go in and call on every single business. Well, if you're doing that, you're not being able to target what you know best. I know there is a huge push to find a niche. Recently attended Joe Vincent seminar, which is a management seminar put on by the independent agents of Texas. And I heard some conversations around, do you have any specializations? Do you have any niches? They can be good. I'm not going to say that you shouldn't jump into a niche if you can. You know, niches can also be a little bit dangerous, at least in the commercial side. I witnessed a ton of agencies struggle that were in niches in 2008 and struggled again in 2020 through COVID. There's this balance between being maybe overly niched or overly diversified. You don't necessarily want to be on either end of those spectrums when it comes to weathering different storms and economic cycles. 
talking about having a niche business, I had the opportunity to hear a speaker a few months ago that had a very niche commercial business out in California. And when 2020 happened, the bottom fell out. And she said it would drive her crazy that she would see her friends and her customers on social media saying, hey, does anybody know a good insurance agent to write car insurance? And she said she just wanted to like go and wave her hand and say, you were in my office two days ago with your business because she was so into her niche that people didn't know that she wrote home and auto. People just had no idea. They, they never thought about her for that. And so I think that's one of those things that if you're a solopreneur or if you have a small agency, you have to not let yourself get so pigeonholed that people don't even know what else you do. I once knew an agency. It was a three-person agency, owner slash producer and two account managers, and they wrote six accounts. Each account averaged around a million in premium, highly successful on a financial basis, if as you could imagine, but they had six accounts and it blew my mind. I don't know if they survived. I mean, I don't know what happens if you lose an account in that situation. Million plus dollar accounts are probably have a lot of service tied to them. And so that's what they spent their time doing is taking care of those six accounts. That's extremely focused, I would say, (laughs) to the nth degree. It kind of brings me to the third circle, which is the economic engine. There is a financial piece to this hedgehog concept within this third circle. You need to have an economic denominator. This would be KPI. Maybe profit per customer, profit per account. Could be policy per customer ratio. If you're in the standard preferred personal lines business or the small commercial business, it could be policy per customer, policy per client. But what is the economic engine that as you focus on growing your business that you look at and go, that is growing or shrinking. And that's going to tell me very quickly my financial health on my business. And these circles have to intersect. Let's not forget what you're passionate about, what you can be the best at, and your economic engine. Those three circles intersect and give us our sweet spot. That's what we want to be thinking about. And all three of those circles are the same size. One is not more important than the other. That's right. From the financial standpoint, there's a lot of things that you could do that fit one of these circles. And you have to be able to turn a profit. You have to be able to make money at it. If you've got three things, you're like, well, I'm passionate about these three things. But two of those things, there's absolutely no hope of an economic engine. Well, then it's probably not going to work. We hear people all the time say, follow your passion, follow your passion. You'll figure out a way to make money. And that's not always the case. Sometimes passion without the logic behind it, without the economic drive behind it, that doesn't work for making a living. So like Shane said, I think it's just really important to remember, okay, what are we passionate about? What can we be the best out? But it still needs to be able to support us. Look, I am passionate about baseball. I would love to play baseball for a living. No one wants to pay me to play baseball. No one wanted to pay me after college to play baseball. I use this scenario for some of my extended baseball colleagues that 22 to 23, 24 years old at the time who decided that they were going to continue to play baseball, even though there wasn't really an economic engine tied to their ability. There's a few of them that kept going 
going into their 30s, even on up and became 10-year career minor leaguers. And this was not healthy. (laughs) This was not a healthy thing for them, for their life, for their relationships. And I recognized that. It was not fun that I had to let go of baseball because I was extremely passionate about baseball. And I found other ways to be passionate about it. I coached here and there. I did some things where I was involved. But it's kind of a weird example, but you can be passionate about something and it not make any money at all. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it or shouldn't be involved. Maybe it's a nonprofit of some sort, but maybe that passion leads you to figuring that out. Maybe you are really, really passionate about the nonprofit world and helping underprivileged students in some way, and you want to build something and do something for them. Maybe you need to become a nonprofit insurance specialist. Hey, nonprofits out there in the world need the same risk management, loss control. They pay a lot of insurance premiums. They have a lot of risk, especially if they're dealing with kids, a lot of professional lines coverage. So you may be able to connect that passion for serving, being a nonprofit, focusing or serving in one or starting one with an understanding of how to help nonprofits across your area or some region when it comes to insurance exposure. Because I promise you, nonprofits are typically underserved spaces within the insurance area. So happy Hedgehog Day. I hope that you are applying the hedgehog concept in your agency. And if not, sit down, take a few minutes and see if it can help make your agency stronger. I'm going to leave us today with this quote from Kobe Bryant. The most important thing is to try and inspire people so that they can be great in whatever they want to do. Attitude's a choice. Make a great one. Bye, y'all. Ready to get the ball rolling with your independent agency? Learn more at IntegraAgent.com. That's IntegraAgent.com. Thank you for joining us on IA Forward. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now or learn more at IAForward.com.